This is a Cortez Currents news update. SRD contemplates further litigation against Noba Anderson. In the agenda published on Friday, January 22, 2021, for the SRD meeting of Wednesday, January 27, 2021, can be found a couple of items of interest to Cortez Islanders. For item N.1, Cortez Island Asset Voting Bylaws, all sub-items have been postponed indefinitely. But more dramatic developments are found in Section M, Staff Reports, Item 1, Director Anderson, Insider Influence. Attached to Item M.1 is a staff report dated January 21st and signed by David Leach, CAO, with several documentary attachments. The board is requested to, quote, consider the process for deciding whether to pursue allegations of insider influence in relation to Director Anderson's December 17, 2020 communication with a staff member as it pertains to a proposed subdivision of land co-owned by her and located on Cortez Island. End quote. In order to place this document in context, we will have to review some history rapidly receding in the rearview mirror. The aftermath of the regional district elections in 2018. Ms. Anderson narrowly won the Area B election for regional director in October 2018. Immediately after the election, political opponents made allegations whose apparent intent was to overturn the result of the election by disqualifying voters or by disqualifying Ms. Anderson herself from serving a further term. Disqualification of voters was attempted very shortly after the results were announced by means of a complaint filed with RCMP alleging illegal voting by 43 persons who did not meet residency requirements. RCMP did travel to the island to investigate this complaint, but found no case of any unqualified voter casting a ballot in October 2018. Disqualification of Anderson as a regional director was attempted by means of a petition filed with the B.C. Supreme Court by 13 residents of Cortez Island. This petition, which showed signs of hasty composition and little or no fact-checking, was dismissed as without merit in June 2020 by agreement of both councils. While Currents has been informed of a story in circulation that the litigation was settled, that is, that Anderson paid or otherwise persuaded the plaintiffs to abandon their case, there seems to be as little substance to this story as the court found in the original allegations. Unknown to most Cortez Islanders at the time was yet a third incident affecting the newly re-elected director. Only a few days after the election, a complaint was filed with SRD regarding zoning violations on the land on Whaletown Road where Anderson lives, which she co-owns with five other land partners. Zoning complaints are rare on Cortez Island, if we discount the occasional skirmishes over shellfish leases and the use of mechanical equipment. A land-based zoning complaint is very unusual. Cortez Island has a long tradition of live and let live, which is one reason why people come here. This is not the kind of suburban community where neighbors eagerly keep watch over their fences for the slightest infraction. Local resident Kristen Schofield sweet says, I cannot think in my 28 plus or minus years on the APC of an instance where a neighbor filed a complaint against a neighbor in an unprovoked situation. However, only a few days after the election results were announced, 
Someone on Cortez Island made a formal complaint against the land where Anderson's family resides, along with the families of her land partners. Anderson co-owns the 22-acre, 8.9-hectare property with partners Lovna and Ryan Harvey, Lukash, also known as Luca Biela, and Allison Gregory, locally known as Ashe Biela, and Connie Quayle, formerly known as Conrad Dombrowski. Most of Cortez Island's zoning is aimed at maintaining low density and preserving the rural lifestyle. Owners are permitted one house per 2.5 acres to a maximum of three houses and one size-limited cabin per parcel, regardless of acreage. Anderson and her land partners do not contest the compliance issue regarding number of houses. They do not deny having four inhabitable houses on the property, none of which is visible from the public road. If the property were divided in half, the owners would collectively be permitted six houses and two cabins on the same acreage, but because it is one parcel, the per-parcel maximum applies. The R1 zoning of this property permits subdivision down to two to two and a half acre lots, which in theory would allow for nine or ten houses. But subdivision is not a simple solution. Subdivision could quickly solve the dwelling limit violation, but as with many Cortez properties, the property would then not meet the minimum road frontage requirements, relief from which can only be granted by the Regional District Board. Ministry of Transportation and Infrastructure, which I'm going to call MOTI, their law intersects with zoning law, requiring a certain type of road access over a prescribed maximum distance to every distinct residential parcel. Anderson's shared property is mostly second-growth forest south of Whaletown Road. It's bluffy land with only a tiny frontage on the main road, so subdivision presents special problems. As many island property owners have learned, trying to navigate the various levels of bureaucracy involved in road rights-of-way, easements, and subdivision in general is a complex and lengthy undertaking, especially since the pandemic. After receiving notice from SRD in early 2019 that the zoning violation complaint had been filed, Anderson and her co-owners began to work on the problem. Conversations with Modi can be very lengthy and are often punctuated by replacement of the previous contact person and disconnection from previous agreements. The Hakai board, for example, has been frustrated by just these inconsistencies. Quote, Hakai contacted Modi in July 2016. We said we'd help out with clearing the areas near the community docks of dangerous trees and vehicles if Modi would grade the areas, put down some road crush, and let us use the areas as parking. Hakai did as we promised at our expense and entered into a formal lease of these areas. Fast forward to 2020, three different program officers, and the newest program officer denies there was an agreement for them to do any work at the Squirrel Cove dock. All we have are emails, but no recordings of telephone conversations. So if you have agreements with Modi, get them in writing and signed. Unquote. A Hakai board member, 2021. Anderson sent an email to staff member John Neal, a planner at SRD, on December 17, 2020. She wrote, quote, I am so sorry that this application isn't more straightforward. We've been unable to get any direct information out of Modi on what they would accept as far as roads go for our application, and it seemed the only way to get that was through a site visit, which they would not do until all the referrals were in. That's why we paid our referral fee and asked you to proceed. But I just got a call from Modi today saying they are now willing to have a call with us and our development consultant in January to really go over options. They are not willing to proceed as submitted. 
So unless you've already completed the referral, it would be wonderful if you could hold off till the new year. Unquote. Earlier, October 28th, Anderson had expressed a concern over the mounting costs of the process. Quote, We would just like the referral that you look at and take the fee for to be our best version, and we'd like not to pay the referral fee multiple times if the application changes, based on information learned as we go. Any advice, very welcomed. End quote. It seems fairly obvious that Anderson's concern over costs continues throughout the months-long conversation, and that after Modi changes its instructions, information learned as we go, she wishes to defer SRD's processing of the Modi referral until a clarifying conversation with Modi can happen and the application can be modified accordingly. Otherwise, the land group will have to modify and resubmit after their imminent conversation with Modi, paying a duplicate referral fee. Most property owners would probably make the same request under similar circumstances. It is this single phrase, in this single email, it would be wonderful if you could hold off until the new year, which Mr. Leach's staff report of January 21st describes as insider influence and grounds for disqualification from holding office. But staff reports do not come out of thin air. The staff report was written in response to a motion recorded in the minutes of the January 13th SRD meeting, a motion originated by Directors Abrams and Cornfield. This is the text of the motion. That Director Anderson be advised that on January 27, 2021, the Board will be considering a motion to authorize an application to the Supreme Court that she be disqualified from holding office on the basis that she has violated the relevant provisions of the Community Charter and the Local Government Act regarding inside influence and that she has the right to present a defense at that time through her legal counsel. End quote. By the way, insider influence, the term found in the Leach staff report, is not a technical term in B.C. government law. The correct term is inside influence, as used by Abrams and Cornfield. Readers may wish to review the relevant section of the community charter, and there is a link to that document in the online version of this article. The language of the community charter is quite specific. A council member may not, quote, use his or her office to influence in any way Unquote, decisions or actions taken, quote, by an officer or employee of the municipality, end quote, if that member has a, quote, direct or indirect pecuniary interest, end quote, in that decision or action. If we interpret this as narrowly as possible, it suggests that any property owner who holds public office is prohibited from discussing, contesting, or negotiating with local government agents during any process of assessment, permitting, or zoning involving their property. If we follow SRD's logic, as reflected in the motion and the staff report, if Anderson were sole owner of her property, she would have no land partners to whom she could delegate the job of corresponding with SRD planners, so according to SRD's advice, she would in that case be prohibited from corresponding with them at all. This seems an unusually narrow interpretation, and one likely to discourage most property owners from ever running for public office. There is the further question of use of his or her office. The email trail attached to Leach's staff report, to which there is a link in the online version of this article, 
clearly shows that Anderson used her private email address whenever she communicated with SRD staff about the application for subdivision. How this constitutes using her office is unclear. SRD board members have no input into staff reviews, hiring, firing, advancement, or any other leverage that might be used to influence their decisions. In fact, in their role as directors, SRD board members are generally discouraged from communicating directly with staff. Traditionally, information flows from staff to board and vice versa through one single conduit, the CAO, currently David Leach, who himself is no stranger to conflict with the regional district board. The CAO is also empowered to select and hire legal counsel, consult with counsel as the board's representative, and to present and interpret counsel's advice to the board. The CAO is a quasi-permanent presence with significant influence and power over SRD staff, but board members who come and go with the election cycle have little to none. So, is a question of process timing in order to avoid paying duplicate fees and wasting staff time the same thing as trying to influence a decision or an outcome? Should Anderson's email be construed as using her office for inside influence? Whether the email in question indeed constitutes the type of influence that the community charter was written to prevent will presumably be discussed on January 27th with Anderson's legal counsel telepresent. Since SRD meetings are now, at long last, being recorded and archived, concerned Cortez residents may be able to view or at least hear the proceedings. Does this allegation and threat of further litigation reflect a legitimate concern over an attempt to coerce or corrupt SRD staff? Or is this just one in a persistent series of attempts to overturn the election result of 2018 and remove Anderson from office by other means? Perhaps, coincidentally, on January 22, 2021, just one day after the above-linked SRD agenda was published, the Land Group was served with formal notice of a filed petition to litigate against them. The litigation was launched by SRD and contends that they have not moved swiftly enough to resolve their zoning violation. Among various threatened consequences is the suggestion that they may be compelled to demolish one of their homes. Cortez Currents will continue to monitor and report the story as it develops. Stay tuned.